All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fucksters? What's happening? It's Mark Marin. This is my podcast, WTF. Welcome to it. Is everybody just hanging out? Hanging out at home? Is that what's up? You just hanging out? <laughs> I've been up and down in the last half hour, in the last hour, the every hour up and down. There's been some quieter moments, but man, I get, I tell you, I, I'm craving, craving a general sense of connection with people. Look, I know I can Zoom, I can talk, I'm, I got Lynn over here at the house. I'm, I'm just saying in general, just the kind of passive nature of being alive in the world. Hey, what's up? Excuse me. Could you, could you step over there? Just give me a little room here on the train. Just the regular stuff. I miss having people come over. But today, Sam Morell came. He came over. I've had a few comics. Comics have been bold about it. I offer them the option. If I talk to them personally, I say, look, you can come over. I got, it's clean. We'll sit we'll, six feet apart. We don't need to touch. I just want to look at you and talk to you. So Sam came over. Very funny guy. He featured for me, I believe, back in the day. We're going to talk about that. Um, so, how are you holding up, man? I uh, like I said, it's up and down from a day, on a day to day basis. But I was doing the Instagram live thing, and I ah, God, it's just even saying it bothers me. I think people enjoy it. I think it keeps me connected in some sort of immediate way, live, like a live show, a live audience. I, I like riffing, and it, it's okay, but uh, I don't want to feel like I have to do it. I, at some point, like, everybody's doing a thing. Look, I'm doing a thing of me doing nothing or trying to figure out what to do with this time. What was weird was I was sitting on my back deck, and I there was a guy, my neighbor is in his backyard, and I hear him on the cell phone. I don't know the guy. He's got an accent that I don't know where from. It's pretty heavy. I'm having a hard time understanding. But the conversation is heated. He's talking to somebody. There are amounts being dropped. There's like a 50,000, 200,000. Someone is mad at somebody. And then I, I'm just, I keep trying to listen harder to figure out what's going on. And uh, they're, they're mad about those numbers. I don't know what those numbers indicate. I know, I know nothing. But then so he mentions the name Gary, that Gary somehow is involved in these numbers and the negativity around the numbers was uh, pretty strong. So I start to figure just overhearing this guy that, you know, Gary's in a little trouble. I mean, he's he's into about 50 to 200,000 somethings in trouble. I start to get concerned about Gary and the way they're talking. I couldn't quite make it out, but I, I don't know who Gary is or where he is, but but I, I think Gary's in trouble. So that's what happens on my back deck. I get half invested in a conversation that I can't even really make out other than numbers and the name Gary. And I decided someone's going down. Gary is going down. And it was just my sort of craving to be part of a, a community, you know, a live living sort of like, hey, there's a guy over there. He's talking. I used to just talk to people here and there, but now just listen in. And uh, now I got to spend the, the rest of the day wondering like 200,000 what? And how is Gary going to be all right? 
You know, I can only watch so much TV before I'm being just grateful to overhear a conversation, even though Gary might not be with us anymore. I mean, that's that's where I'm at. That's the level I'm operating at. And I'm jacked up on coffee. I mean, come on. Is that even necessary? Speaking of allergies, I'm pretty sure this nut allergy is is real. And I, I'm starting to think that maybe, maybe I'm not as anxious and freaked out as I think I am. Maybe I'm just mildly allergic to nuts. Today, no nuts. No nuts day. And I don't, you know, I don't want to brag, but I eat, I eat a lot of nuts. And I'd stayed off the cashews and the almonds because I had food sensitivity, but I just pounding walnuts. But then I started eating some peanut butter. And then I'm like, well, why not, why not a little almond butter? Then I'm just eating handfuls of all the different kinds of nuts. And my throat itches. And I can't breathe at night. And um, having a hard time swallowing. Uh, but not coronavirus. I think I'm just pushing my luck with the nut allergy. Because today I'm like, ooh, that was a nice breath. I feel great. No nuts. What do I got to do to myself? Is, is that how bored I am? That I got to hurt myself to feel like I'm, I'm, I'm alive. I mean, come on. That is no way to live. I can't breathe. I must be frightened. Or I shouldn't eat a fucking mound of almonds and a mound of cashews and some peanut butter for a lot of reasons, mainly because I can't breathe right when I do it. Exciting times. Pow, I just shit my pants. Just coffee.coop. Also, if you're in the LA area, I want to do this because these guys are always good to me. But Matt over there, Cafe de Leche, they got a couple locations, one in Altadena and one in uh, Highland Park. I was there when he opened the place. Uh, he's roasting his own coffee over there. You can go to cafe de leche.net. Good coffee. He's doing a good job. Matt's, Matt is on the machine himself. He's manning the machine. But I'm trying to help him out. I'm trying to help the small businesses in my life out. Got some records in the mail from Dan over a Gimme Gimme. Raquel Jack just sold me a painting. Very crass, dirty little painting. That I'm keeping her in business. Just trying to help out, man. Help out where I can. But everybody's okay over here. Lynn's okay. But have you found it, you, you know, have you, what have you been doing? I, I don't know how alone you are or like, I'm here with somebody. Obviously I'm here. Lynn's over there in the house, but like with all this quiet and the air quality is so good and the kind of space that we have around noise, around pollution, around, you know, feeling pressure, you know, it's great about not doing things or having nothing to do because of this is that no one really has anything to do. And maybe I've said this before, but there's no competition going on really was well, a little bit like, you know, with Instagram lives, but, but whatever. But what I'm saying is there's a piece to all this as horrifying as it is. And as chaotic as it all is, because we're in a spiraling fucking tailspin as a country with a guy in the cockpit that wants nothing more to get out and save himself. But given all that with the peace of mind, do you find yourself reflecting about your life? about, you know, sort of like, did you get everything you needed to get done, done? Are you okay? Are you just living? Are there things going on in your mind where you're like, when when and if we get out of this, I'm going to do this now? Are you thinking along those lines? I kind of am. Unfortunately, every time I go down that route, when, when, when and if we get out of this, I'm out. I'm done. It's over, man. It's I'm having a hard time figuring out what matters now. 
You know, does it matter that I talked to Sam Morell today? Does that matter to you? I mean, I think it does matter. I think on some level it matters more than ever because who's talking to anybody? I just wish more people would just come over, just mask up, just mask up and come on over. Let's do this. We got to keep these conversations alive. I mean, this is what I do. I talk to people about life. I'm not going to start doing a news show. I'm not going to interview virologists. This is what I do. How are we getting by? So what do, what do I do? What matters? Well, I focus on my life and I try to focus on you know, how I can help a little bit, do what I can. But I'll tell you what, what I did do. I said a few things on uh, maybe it was Monday. I got some email. I got two emails I want to share. Uh, this one says, thank you from a vet. Hi, Mark. As a veterinarian, I want to say thank you so much for your shout out to the veterinary community during this COVID-19 crisis. We in the veterinary community are faced with unique challenges during this time. We normally use masks and gloves and gowns every day, and we are all trying to balance continuing to care for pets and by extension, the people who love them with conserving these now valuable resources so our colleagues in the human health field can have what they need. I know many veterinary organizations have been donating PPE and even ventilators to human hospitals. We believe in One Health, which recommends recognizes the interconnection between people, animals, plants, and their shared environment. I was touched to hear your appreciation for your veterinarian and staff. When I'm nervous about going into work and being around other people, it helps me to remember that, like you said, sometimes a pet is the only thing a person has that is keeping them sane. And it is such a privilege to be able to care for that pet and help make someone's life a little bit better during these trying times. Love the show. All my best to Monkey and your other sweet kitties, Kim in Nashville. Thank you, Kim. Fucking love the animals, man. They remind us. Peace. Peace. Here's another one. Thanks from a vet. Same subject line. Dear Mark, I'm a veterinarian in Chicago, and I always listen to your cat stories with a lot of interest. I'm still working 40 hours a week during this pandemic, and there have been many days when I've struggled to see myself as an essential worker. When humans are dying by the thousands, hospitals are overrun with critical patients, and families are separated from their loved ones for fear of becoming infected themselves, it is hard to justify going to work to trim a cat's nails or give a rabies vaccine to a dog. I worry every day that one of my staff members or clients is going to contract this horrible disease on the way to my clinic. I have racked my brain trying to figure out what my place is in this crisis, wanting so badly to be useful. Hearing your story about monkey today reminded me that pets are paramount to many people's happiness and being stuck at home with a sick pet is heartbreaking i'm glad your vet was able to help you and monkey and i hope that i'm doing the same for the people and pets of my city your words of admiration for your vet and the staff have made me feel like i do have a part to play during this crazy time thank you continuing to do your job my morning commute would be a lot less enjoyable if i didn't have wtf sincerely kara man that got me all so i guess i guess a lot of us are trying to figure out you know are we being useful you know is does it matter 
because I think some part of you know I I think a lot of us are still in denial about the extent of this thing and how long it's going to last. I mean, has it affected our lives? You know, are we checking in with our local hospitals and stuff like that? But like, I think there's a little denial going on. Then there's this idea that the way to do it is just to pretend like uh, we're just, you know, living our life, which we are, but it's scary and it can be lonely and it can be, you know, frustrating and aggravating It just feels to me like nothing's ever going to be the same. And it makes me wonder, you, you know, we, I, I mean, culturally, like even think about it right now. Like most people, there's no, what is the cultural through line right now? It's just, we're all sort of like, what's going on? When is this going to be normal? Am I sick? Am I not sick? Is anyone I know sick? What if I get sick? You know, what's the information? Is there something being done on a, on a large scale to help us through this? It's all news. And it's odd what's happening in terms of uh, entertainment. If people are doing it, there's no cultural momentum to anything. People are their own curators. They're, they're their own networks. They're just picking their own little bits of information from and, and entertainment from the millions of possibilities. It's a fucking new world out there. It's very interesting. There's a relief from you know the kind of inundation of advertising and publicity and promotion that we usually get just with the nature of how TV was was before this happened now everything's a lot more human it's a lot more raw it's a lot more lo-fi i mean i'm not saying i don't miss production values but what i don't miss is the constant hammering of publicity bell you know in your brains and and trying with everything it has the corporate momentum to sort of guide culture towards the same thing the same options seems to have quieted down that din has seems to have quieted down a bit and because of that people are just sort of like i don't know man i'm just trying to get by i'm just making choices in the on the fly here's the other thing i'm trying not to do during this time is like get not nostalgic but melancholic about decisions i've made in my life i've got something in my heart and in my mind that just wants me to feel like i've done something wrong I have fucked up. I am not good enough. And when I get enough time to think, poof, I can bury myself in a fucking pile of self-generated psychic shit. I'll tell you, man. Sam Morell is here. Uh, his Comedy Central stand-up special, I Got This, is available for free on standup.com slash Sam Morell. Or you can get it as an album wherever you get albums. I like this guy. I really didn't know this guy. But we, apparently we did have some conversations when I worked with him years ago when he was sort of like a kid. And he's very funny and he's a good guy. And he actually uh, has been staying. He's, his girlfriend is Taylor, Taylor Tomlinson, who was on the show on uh, Monday. But uh, we had, I, we had a, 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 I, you know, I just don't know people. And I like when I can talk to comics because we know how to be open with each other. And he's had an interesting life. And uh, I like this guy, Sam Morell. Uh, and I will talk now. I 
got a, an Xbox delivered, and, and we've been playing Halo, and she loves it, and it's been it's been big. Really? Yeah. And she had never played it before. No, we went to an arcade in Sherman Oaks once, and we yeah. played Halo, and she yeah. loved it. So I was like, "This will kill hours. Yeah. This will be big." And has it been? Yeah, it's huge. What is the basis of that game? How does it work? Halo, you just yeah. shoot aliens. It's, oh, that's it. It's pretty fun. I'm not even into those games, but it's like a bonding activity. It, it's yeah. healed fights. Oh, yeah? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, this is like, that's sort of crazy, man, that, um, first of all, that you're stuck here and you're a New York guy. I it's mean, rough. I can't even imagine it. And, yeah. and you got, like, it's already isolating when you're not from here to begin with. Yeah. And not, none of us can do fucking stand-up. I know. And we're like, well, who are we? It's, it's like, you're lucky. You, I mean, I've got my girlfriend here too, but if like, can you imagine if you were stuck out here by yourself? Yeah. I Holy feel like shit. I don't exist in a way. <laughs> don't you feel insignificant right now? Because stand-up is so much of our purpose that I just, I feel like, this is like doing, it feels like doing a road gig without the stand-up. Yeah, which is horrible. Just yeah. wandering around like an alien landscape. Like, <laughs> But now you can't even go walk around a fucking mall. It's, so you can't, it's, it's not even like a road game. I miss malls. Right. I never <laughs> thought I would miss a mall, but I, I like, I'm like, holy shit, I could use like a, a, a Cinnabon or something I know. right now. I realize like when, uh, when you're coming over here, like I haven't talked, like Taylor did one of these in the quarantine. One other guy did one. I sprayed down the thing. Oh, I cool. got, I got alcohol and I got all kinds of shit here. <laughs> Hand sanitizers. Yeah. We've been what? taking this seriously. Yeah, you you, you got to. I mean, it's scary, man. I, I hate people that aren't. I, sp I feel for New Yorkers the most right now because they have to stay in longer because of the rest of the country because they're getting hit first. So I just like talking to my folks. I'm talking to I'm, David he, Tells called me a couple times. Has he? Yeah. Is he all right? Yeah, he's all right. I think he's another one where he just misses stand-up a ton. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, for sure. But I mean, like, do you know anybody who's sick? Uh, I knew a comedian, Noah Savage, who was sick, and I knew that Michael Yo was sick. Did they get through it? They're both, I think, okay now. Yeah. yeah. And Jimmy from Gotham. I don't know if you ever work at Gotham, but uh, he's a great guy. Yeah. He was a big guy, the nicest, and yeah, he was in the hospital for like 17 days, COVID pneumonia, and uh, he was connected to a ventilator. The guy next to him died. He, he basically, like, can you imagine being in a hospital alone and the guy <sighs> in your room dies? And he's, he just wrote this long Facebook post thinking he was next. I, I, yeah. Is he all right now? He's okay. He made it through? Yeah. This is real. No, I know. This is crazy. <laughs> yeah. This, I mean, I'm saying it to me, not to you. Right. Like, I'm like, I can't believe how real this is. I know, because there's that part of your brain where you're sort of like, well, you know, it's like, you know, it's, you know, it's not like a flu, but for some reason there's part of your brain that's sort of like, I'm not going to get it. Yeah. <laughs> You know, like, why would I get it? Yeah, it's like Janis Joplin. I'm, I'm a survivor. Right. It's not going to happen to me. Right. <laughs> and then look what happened. But so that guy who, from Jimmy, he had no other underlying health issues or anything? No. Oh, shit. Michael Yo, You know Michael Yo. He's a healthy guy. Yeah. He's a college football player. But he's all right. He's all right. Think? Yeah. Like, yeah, it's scaring the fuck out of me. Like, yeah. you know, I got these masks we just ordered. Yeah. Now I'm like, do we need to rethink this? You think <laughs> well, you should, did you hear what they said? That now they're saying, like, they, they said for a while the masks don't do anything, and now they're like, no, they do help. And it's like, did they just say that so we'd stop buying them so that hospitals could get them? Well, no, they, I'm not even getting those kind. You know, I got, you, you know, it's really a matter of, like, do you can you put anything over your face? Right. Obviously, a, a hospital-grade mask would be one thing, yeah. but not you, but like you can't even get those. So it really comes down to like if I wrap a bandana, whatever it is, does anything help? But then and you're that, touching your face more to adjust it. And st I, I do at least, so I, I don't know. I know. Well, we, there's companies making these. We just got, I, someone just sent me some, some company uh, that usually makes um, like kitchen fabric, aprons and stuff. So they're yeah. making a mask that you can insert a piece of uh, 
they recommended and sent with a, some like a vacuum bag, like a HEPA filter vacuum bag. You cut out a piece that you can slide into the thing. So you got like they it's like a designer mask almost. Wow. Yeah. So that's the story on that. But you guys are going out to shop a little bit or what? We went to the grocery store twice and right. we've been and we when we can deliver it we do it but it's like dude it feels like it feels like robbing a bank because we're in the car together and yeah. we're like got masks we got on. masks on we got gloves on we're like be quick hurry up get in there it's it feels so yeah, we get in get out i'll leave it running <laughs> <laughs> yeah when i see you come out i'll start rolling you throw the shit in the back Oh, it's crazy, man. It's intense. And and then other, sometimes people in the stores don't respect your space. You're like, come on, guys. Like, we got to look out for each other. And uh, she's she's vegan, so anything I cook is amazing to her. Like, she just does it. She has the lowest bar for taste. Oh, really? So she thinks I'm a good cook. I'm not. I'm you're fun. not? I'm okay. But you're not vegan, are you? No. Yeah. But so I, you're, you're honoring that, though? What is she eating? What is she eating for uh, protein during these times? We, we've had a lot of pasta. No, yeah, I don't yeah. know what the pro. I don't know if we've been eating protein. I, think, I think we're just carving it up. We I, we're having beans. There's a lot of beans in there. It's pretty weird. Are you writing? We've been doing our own thing. Like I I miss stand up so much. I started just like FaceTiming my mom and be like, can I t- just do jokes for you? And then I started recording it and just putting it online because my mom's pretty. She's pretty cool and she's pretty uh, yeah. fair. Like if a bit's bad, she'll stone face me. And I oh, think really? that's that's pretty cool. You bouncing stuff off your mother? Well, I miss an audience so much. I just like I miss stand up. It's like well, it's nice that you get along with your mother that well. Yeah, my mom's cool. And yeah. then uh, <laughs> what? Uh, Taylor and I've been making videos, and I miss just pure stand up though because I. I was, you know, I just released something and I was kind of touring with my new stuff and I was excited honing that. I was excited to have a new hour sooner rather than well, yeah. whenever this will be. So you and uh, you and Taylor are doing like a, uh, like a, what, an Instagram thing? What is it? YouTube? What is, like, I don't want to sound like an old man, but I, I know, I know <laughs> I mean, you, you were. You nailed it. That was it. Was <laughs> <laughs> it this one or the other, right? Yeah. Well, it's what, mostly Instagram, but we, we put a couple on YouTube. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like uh, just you two like dealing with the quarantine situation. Yeah, because when I was there the first day, uh, she just said, "How are we going to stay creative?" Because I did, I think we just realized we just lost like you know a couple months of work in a day. So she said, "What are we going to do?" You know, money aside, what are we going to do to stay creative? Right, and just not lose, you know, yeah, the vital, the edge. Yeah, and and she said we should do a series, a web series about us being a new couple. And now forced to live together, and I was like, "Cool, let's do it right now." And we just started doing it. And oh yeah, that's great. It was fun. Yeah, yeah. And, and how often are you doing it? We've done like sixteen of them. Or really? Something. Yeah. And where are they? They're on Instagram. Yeah. Under who's the? Uh, we both post them. It turned into a reality show because our agent sent us thing where they were like, "There's there's reality uh, companies interested," and we're like, "What do you mean?" They're like, "For you guys to do an actual reality show," and we're like, "We're not fucking doing that. That sounds awful." <laughs> like <laughs> you'd send a camera crew. We both were like, "No," so quickly, and it just turned into a whole thing. So then we just turned our web series into a fake reality show, right? And we got a really good editor, so it looks like a Real Housewives type show now. But you guys had a good time making that thing. Yeah, it's fun, and I'm still trying to do. St- I I miss stand up the most, like, and so does she. It's it's crazy. It's, well, crazy. it's like yeah. After a certain point, you know, I don't know. I've been doing it like I have more than half my life now. So like, wow. You know, to, but to really think like, you know, how long have you really taken off? Ever. I, this is. I mean, after a week, it's the most ever. Right. I mean, so exactly. That, so now it's been almost a month. So especially when you're in New York, because you just go do it. That's so you, all there is yeah, to do. Right. Like, it's crazy. Yeah. Once. The once the NBA season canceled, I was like, "Oh my god, this is this is insane! This I've never seen anything like this." Now what are we gonna do? And then and then the comedy cellar closed, and I was like, "Holy shit, that's they never closed!" Right. I remember 
I think it was Hurricane Irene. Right. I remember a, they had like 60 people in there, a generator powering it. Right. Nowhere, nowhere around there was open except the cellar. And I remember just watching like Tom Papa just like working a room to like yeah. 40 people or something. It was crazy. They were one of the first places to open after 9-11, man. I mean, I remember doing comedy. Like we didn't know when we could. And it was definitely too weird and too raw. I can't remember how many weeks it was before they opened, but it was it wasn't that long. Because you could wow. still smell that smell down there, and people were kind of like, you know, PTSD everywhere. Just people in New York were just like, "What the fuck is happening?" And you know, we're doing shows, and it was volatile because you know you had to speak to the reality of it, and that's that's where that whole tough crowd table thing started. Yeah, was around nine eleven. That's what, amazing. Was like all of a sudden you started to see who people really were. Everyone's true feelings around New York and around politics and around racism—it all came out, and that was the—that was where it had the source of it. How is a racism in New York though? It's such a melting pot. Like, well, no, it was I, just about like who were the people that were, you know, were immediately sort of like we should get rid of all of them, right? right. <laughs> you know right. what I mean? Like, yeah, why? Why? You know, just complete profiling. There was definitely a school of thought there. Yeah, but no, I think you're but right. You hear it now, like you see it online with like just like shit about Chinese people right it's now. It's ridiculous. Yeah. But those people, the people that do that are fucking morons. Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah. But there, but also there's people doing it just around New Yorkers. Yeah. Like people like these. Oh yeah. Know. It went from the Chinese virus to the New York virus. That's right. what, that's what, uh, what's his name in Florida? DeSantos? Yeah. He called it, I think he referred to it as a New York virus, which I'm like, fuck you, dude. Florida sucks. Don't fucking shit on New York. Not only does Florida suck, but it's all New Yorkers. I know. What is he, a fucking <laughs> moron? That's where everyone from New York ends up in Florida oh. and this idiot's got, that guy's got a real fucking, he's a fucking moron, that guy. He is. Unbelievable. So you grew, where'd you grow up though? I grew up originally in Chelsea and then uh, uptown in Manhattan. Oh really? So yeah. you're real like New York kid? Yeah. How the hell did that happen? What I mean, what were you like? What did your parents do? My mom's an artist, and my dad. I have like a complicated family thing a little bit. My dad is a. I was uh, my dad, who's technically my stepdad, but has been around since I was like three. Yeah. So I call him dad, and he's right. been my dad forever. He's a lawyer. He is so yeah. like well, it's complicated. Like, well, you know, I'd a, I'd a, is his name Mor Morel? Yeah, I took his name. I was originally Greenberg, Sam Greenberg. Really, that's my mom's name. So until a three, that was but that was your original dad. The biological father's name was Greenberg. His last name is Elgort. Elgort. Yeah. Are these all Jews? Uh, yeah, <laughs> all Jews. So you have a complicated, fucked up Jewish. Yeah. Thing. You don't hear about Jewish dads walking out as much. It's a it's a much rare. It happens. Though. It happens. I'm we, living proof. Yeah, and you know it's weird. There's a because I'm a Jew too, and there's this weird. Oh, I know. You do you know? Do you remember our conversation about this? Well, from... I, I kind of do because I I remember working with you. Yeah. In, in up in uh, Menlo Park or where was it in Sunnyvale? Yeah. Right. We were. At, like, I don't know if I remember the conversation. I don't know where my head was at or how long ago that was. Close to a decade. Is it ten years ago? About yeah. I just remember, like, you were young and, you know, you had a good, you know, you were, you had, uh, you know, you were excited. <laughs> you know, you were writing tight jokes. You were a great joke writer. I was writer. excited to be working with you. Oh, that's I, Well, nice. I was, I was, uh, I was, you know, featuring for the most part back then. And, uh, you know, you don't really get to choose who you work with. Right, so I, right. I get lucky and get a comic like you every once in a while. But right. there's a lot of people that weren't, who were kind of phoning it in. So when I work with someone like you, I was like, oh, this is like a big deal. I basically broke even on that weekend. Just oh, good. I, I wanted to just work with you. <laughs> oh, you that's know? nice. Yeah. I think I remember we had a good time. I'm, I'm not sure I remember the specific conversation about Jews. Well, here's what happened. You okay. said, um, <laughs> you said at one, you were really nice all weekend. 
And we got, I remember we got Vietnamese sandwiches every day. And oh, bomb me first, sandwiches. Yeah. first time I saw you, I, I will never forget this because you were wearing a fedora, sunglasses, and smoking a cigar by the pool. Oh, yeah. And it felt like iconic to me. I was like, holy shit, this is like old Hollywood right here. This is kind of <laughs> badass. And I, I went up to you and you were really friendly. And, uh, <laughs> And at one point you turned to me and you said, you're, you're a hide the Jew Jew. And I was like, what, do you, what does that mean? And you said, you don't talk about being Jewish enough on stage. And I said, oh, wow, maybe you're right. I don't, so I, <laughs> thinking about it, and then I didn't see you for years. I saw you, I think, like maybe three or four years later yeah. in Montreal. Right. And, uh, and you said, where did we work together? And I said, Sunnyvale. And you said, uh, yeah, how was that? And I said, you called me a hide the Jew Jew on stage, and tonight I opened with a Jew joke. And you said, I got to you. <laughs> it's <laughs> so wild you yeah. know because i was a hide the juju well maybe that's maybe that's what you were trying to day. help or something maybe you saw a little bit of me and you well, well yeah but i mean it or was you just, and me i mean well it's just weird because like even now like on the new special like it's it, it, it's a weird time for jews and it's a weird time for for you know, others in general and obviously we're not at, at, at a you know, in the social structure, Jews are a little more well integrated than other people that are minorities that are getting a, you know, we're not Mexicans, you know, right. we're not, you know, it's not like we're persecuted in the way where we can't stay in our country or anything, but there is sort of more anti-Semitism. And I yeah. now, and I have this weird ass impulse. I don't know if it's self-destructive or, or it's pride or it's fuck you, but like on my last special, I'm all about like, you know, I'm a fucking Jew and we're better than you. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> like, like you know, because I, I believe, I don't know what it is, but when I started, I just didn't know how to do the Jew thing without being like, oh, I'm a Jew and you know, being a stereotype. Right. So it wasn't until it kind of evolved, I evolved into my own whatever kind of Jew I am that I started talking about it more. Yeah, I, I you kind of pushed me to do it a little more. And then I remember. Did it, did it feel good? Yeah, it does. It just feels like it's who you are. You own it a I'm not, bit, I'm right? not religious, but yeah. it, but culturally, being a New York Jew is very much. You realize it's very much a part of who you are, right? And and I remember Gary Goldman once said to me, he, he saw me doing like maybe it was a late night set where I did a Jew joke, and he was yeah. like, "I like that you do that because not enough comics say they're a Jew on stage." Now, now it feels like everyone says they're a Jew on stage, but it's time. But we, <laughs> we, we got to stand up and be counted here. <laughs> no, I mean it feels like. Well, that's I guess what I was trying to say is like. You would think the impulse is just like, hey, just keep it cool. You know what I mean? You don't have to run around saying you're a Jew. You can make yourself a target. But then there's, <laughs> if you're like really kind of like a, like an angry Jew, you're like, fuck that. I'm yeah. a fucking Jew. Go fuck yourself. Yeah. It's And also it's like, I don't like that we have to be a stereotype. Like I like that there's different types. I like that there's like a Lewis Black angry Jew and like an Elliot Gould cool Jew. And like there's different <laughs> types of Jews you could be. You know, there, it's not. There are Jews that look completely, that are black almost. Yeah. There's a whole museum in, in, uh. In Israel, dedicated to you, to, to to showing you that you don't, there is no stereotypical Jew. Yeah, Amari Stoudemire. Huh? Yeah, who's that? I uh, played for the Knicks. Jew. Oh yeah? yeah, yeah. Well, you go to this thing, and they just have this this exhibit where they're just pictures, like you know, pictures of like people almost look Latino and like all these different kinds of people, <laughs> and it's like the idea is like all Jews. Yeah. So it's not just about you and your dumb middle class Eastern European Ashkenaz bullshit. Yeah, there's hundreds of different kinds of Jews. Yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> What so what did uh, what happened with, with with the family? Well, you know, my mom. I don't ask too many questions, uh. but uh, but because uh, I can. T some of it, she was very supportive. So I I didn't meet my biological father till I was eighteen or nineteen. I was dating a girl who um, 
who was a psych major and both their parents were shrinks. Yeah. And every time I'd have dinner with him, they just would analyze the shit out of me. It was really? pretty brutal. Yeah. And I remember she would always accuse, like, anytime I'd get angry in a fight, and it wasn't even that angry, she would be like, who are you really yelling at? So. Oh, really? So. <laughs> How long did that relationship last? <laughs> Too long. But, uh, <laughs> but, you know, so I thought, you know what? Fuck it, I should probably just meet him just to just to get some closure, you know? Well, let me get the picture. So you're growing up in Chelsea. Your mom, what kind no, of- No, then Upper East Side. Uh, Upper East Side. I, originally Chelsea. Okay. That's where I was born. Oh, okay. So you're, and, and your mom was a painter or what? She's a painter. Yeah. She's really good. I'll show you her stuff after this. Yeah, she like yeah. sell? Is she big? Gallery and everything? Not anymore, She but she was in galleries What's when she was name? younger. Marilyn Greenberg. Abstract? Yeah. Nice. It's good Jewish stuff here. So you had like Danish modern furniture and like is that whole <laughs> kind of like- groovy artist kind of place or not no not no? really no yeah all right <laughs> but uh all right so you're growing up and you know you got a dad that's you got a stepdad but you know this other guy's gone but my he was such a good dad that i had no urge to meet this that's what's hard about talking this on stage it's like i have a lot of jokes i love about it but yeah. then people go like oh and i'm like no i had a great i have to like address no i had right. a good yeah, yeah i had yeah. a great dad right right and i had a brother and sister who's a stepbrother and stepsister uh but i just so Call he my had brother kids? And sister. Yeah, he had kids from okay. a previous marriage. And you grew up with that guy since you were three? Well, they met when I was three and they got married when I was seven. So, okay, yeah, like your whole life. Yeah, so, so you I didn't changed really know my the name. other guy. No, I never met him until I was older. So it's one of the, but then what's fucked up, I meet him. He looks exactly like me. And he's got, you know what's weird is he's got the same mannerisms as me. Yeah. Yeah, yeah of course. I mean, what are you going to do? It's like biological, like it's some of it's wired in. You're not, you don't learn everything. One of my first jokes ever was he, uh, uh, about it was he said, uh, my friend said, Is your biological father a good person? I said, If he were, I probably wouldn't refer to him as my biological father. (laughs) (laughs) So, all right, so what, so what brings it, like, what, what do you know? Before you meet him, like, what does your mother tell you about this situation? She told me some stories that were not, uh, <laughs> didn't make him sound great. Was it in, uh, which area was it in? Uh, philandering or, or abusive? Or, he or? wasn't abusive. I think uh, he just kind of dipped. Uh, his previous wife had died of cancer and he did, he wasn't ready to, to have another family. He uh, had a son already who, I, who lives out here who I haven't met. Um, that's your actual half-brother? Yeah, yeah. Wow. And, uh, and then he, I met him at some... Uh, restaurant in Midtown. The half brother or the father? Father, biological so, father. So all you know is really is that you know he had a, a wife that had cancer. He's got another kid, and he just split. and he left me a note in a safety deposit box, and I read it. He did. Yeah. What that your mother had the key to? Yeah. But she had not read it. No. When did you read it? How old were you? Probably nineteen. Wow. What was that? What was that? Uh, I, it was pre- he was like an ad man. It was pretty well written, but <laughs> I don't know. He was an ad man. Yeah, but like, what, what was it? An apology? Was it? Yeah, I said I, I just couldn't do it. I kind of said, and uh, huh. you know, it was. I mean, I. It's weird because when you're eighteen, nineteen, you just and you're a guy. I think you just have anger towards anything. Sure. So it's hard. To, it's hard to trace what it was exactly too. But I felt meeting him would probably just be helpful for me and. And my dad was so cool about it. He was kind of like so not threatened. He was like, "Yeah, I fucking killed it as a dad. I'm not go meet him." You well, know? yeah. Well, it seems like you're pretty well grounded, and you had good love in the house. Yeah, right. Absolutely. So, so like you know, I, I guess the void. I, I, I guess I, were you able to track the anger? I would assume like you know that most of that kind of anger would be like, did it have something to do with me? I think it was like probably I was getting fucked up all the time back then, just getting hammered. So right. I think a lot of it was just like you don't want to think about some of this stuff. Mm. So you're just kind of bottling it up yeah and uh yeah i I think 
it was probably a lot to take in because I think it some of it probably made my mom upset to talk about. It, so I felt bad bringing it up. Right. But she, to her credit, would like talk about most of it. Yeah. But uh, yeah, she told a story that I guess they ran into each other on the street when I was a like two or something, and uh, and maybe I was younger and I was in a carriage, and and she said, "This is Sam. This is your son," and he he just said, "Looks like you," and walked away. Really? Yeah. So he, there's an iciness there for sure. Wow. So uh, like she, so she got pregnant and he split. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. So here's another weird one. So he lives now like nine blocks from me, just by chance. <laughs> oh man. So I, he's old. He's in his eighties now. And I saw him. At, I saw him like a few months ago. Before all this, I saw him at the. Uh, maybe it was more than that. Yeah. Probably like six or seven months ago, I saw him at the rec center because I, I go to exercise there. Yeah. Because they have a pool and stuff. Yeah. And he goes there for physical therapy. So I just ran into him. Yeah, there and, he, right. and it was just like one of those like hey and I was like hey, that was it. Uh, I, I said hi. I, I don't oh, know. That's so weird. But what do you do? You, have, do you feel pain or weirdness? No, or? I feel kind of closure. I I mean, there's weirdness because I kind of there's no playbook for this. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like there's no there's no. I I feel like I have my family and he and I met his uh his nephews are nice kids. His brother like I know them. One You're, of them's a really successful actor. <laughs> your biological cousins. Yeah. Yeah, isn't that a weird term? Yeah, it's kind of weird. Well, the, well, yeah, but you got to put some distance on it. Yeah, you know, I think you, you do. You didn't have any relationship with him. One of them's an actor out here. Yeah, no, he's. I mean, he's fucking huge. He's the kid Ansel Elgort. Oh yeah, he's in Baby Driver and stuff and those oh, movies. Oh, okay, yeah. okay. And uh, another one's named Warren, and he and I and uh, there's a girl Sophie who I haven't met, and then I have my. Uh, but I'm like. It's hard. Like, how many people can you meet? Like, you know, like you got your circle. I guess fr- so. I you guess got your so. circle. I got a girlfriend. I got my mom, my dad, my brother, my sister. Like, you got the, yeah, yeah. I'm but on I, the road all the time. How many people can I really? No, I get that. I got, you I know, got a niece and two nephews. Right from from my sister. Oh, from okay, right. So, right, no, absolutely. But it really just becomes about puzzle pieces. Do you, you know what I mean? It's not it's like yeah. the meeting is like, what kind of relationship do you have? You don't have to have one. But like when I meet family, I didn't know. Like if someone comes up to me, it's like I'm Marin too, and I'm like, who? Now, how are you? Like it happened to me, and I was playing the Paramount yeah. out on the island, Austin. Now. No, on uh, out on Long Island, Huntington, in oh, Huntington, right? Right, yeah, I, I was there. Beautiful, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. it's great, yeah. Uh, but like, I, you know, one of the cousins, you know, from, who was uh, like, it was like my grandfather on my father's sides, uh, his father's brother. Yeah. So it would be my 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 father's grandfather's brother's kid. Yeah. That kind of shit. So it'd be my grandfather's cousin. Shows up. I'm like, I'm gonna, and I'm like, yeah. and then you look at him like, I could see me in there, and they're like, but uh, what else are you gonna do? You can't. You're not gonna keep in touch. But it is kind of bizarre. It's kind of cool. It is right. Yeah, I and I don't know. It it's it's just hard to keep it on track. And like you know, his wife. To I so I met him later in life, and uh, I kind of dealt with it. I was at, in, in uh, Tulane in New Orleans. So you're and- 20. Maybe nineteen. When still. you met your father, I think nineteen. Oh yeah, we like we didn't even depict that. How did that? So you. So I met him at a cafe, and it was nice it in was, New York. Yeah, it was like a nice little meeting where he kind of. We both were kind of laughing. We're like, "Holy shit!" Like I've never, my aside from my grandfather, I've never looked at a man that looks exactly like me. So it was kind of right. strange, you know. So but, you laughed? Did you cry? No, no I, crying. No, but it was emotional. Yeah, for sure. yeah, yeah, and. uh yeah, and I remember talking to a therapist in uh, in New Orleans about it when uh, you were in college. Yeah, and it was right before after, or after, after okay, and before. Yeah, and uh, and 
he was in it looked it was crazy it was in the ninth ward his hospital was it was yeah. right after katrina so it was abandoned so it looked like i was seeing a shrink in like shutter island it was crazy <laughs> you just found a shrink down there no my mom set it up she said i think you should talk to someone so, about this in particular yeah, yeah. Huh. she was very supportive about it and uh-huh. then um he was funny because he was so smart and so kind and he looked like Santa, but he could just turn into a dick like on a dime. <laughs> At one point he said to me, he goes, you and mommy against the world. And oh, I was like, wow. dude, come on. <laughs> It's like it's like a, like roasty. I don't. I, I just want to talk. You know? Oh, wait, so does it surprise you? You got that in you, don't you? Yeah, yeah. It made me. It made me laugh. But uh, so yeah. So I met him, and we just we kind of kept in touch. And I think she was just nervous for you know. It's funny. It's like it's like my mom handled it like a relationship. I was in. She's like, I just don't want to see him get burned. You know. Well, you. Yeah, by by him because right, right. she was. She's protective. Right. You know? So uh, yeah, there was that. And but your expectations must have been minimal they were pretty on some minimal. on some level i mean you know i mean you're and you were grown up enough not to have you know any kind of uh like you know any emotional expectations it was like sort of a curiosity thing right a closure thing right yeah it I wasn't think, like you were expecting him to be your dad again i didn't know what i expected though. oh really no i didn't expect to be my dad right. i had a dad right. but i mean um yeah it's it was a weird thing it's like the w- one thing that annoyed me about it on stage like i because y- you get uh, you feel good when you can make a good joke out of it. It just, it gives you something. It gives you something to relate to an audience right, with. Right, right. And it was hard to make jokes about it because, like, it it just felt like a weird thing to get into. Like, well, I had this other debt. It felt... Yeah. Especially now it's easier. But when I was a younger comic, it was harder. Also because... You, you have a 15-minute set... Right. Now, now when I'm doing an hour on the road, it's different. But when you're doing 15 minutes, you're like, "So here's this, Dad, yeah, and yeah, here's yeah. this, dad. and right." They'd be like, "Get to it, get to the joke." And also, you're kind of, you know, back when I knew you, or like, yeah, you still do it. I mean, you're a joke guy. Yeah. So like, you're not, you're not gonna do a long form emotional piece. I'll do, about... I'll do like one story per hour. I'll do like one longer story per hour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah. but yeah, it's I. It was important to me to stay funny, you know. Yeah, I, right. I, it's like I'm a comedian. It's it's weird. Like we're in like the era of that's like, a difference between me and you. Like, I'll like... <laughs> no, that's not what I'm saying. Got... But like, but like there is like this kind of type of comedy now that is it's fine. It's just a different type of stand up sure. where it's you know more one man showy. And I grew up, you know. Slug I remember I'd listen to your albums a bunch. Yeah. Tickets still available, yeah, and yeah, like yeah. and and Atel's albums yeah. and and Louis's albums and Chris Rock and stuff. Right. I loved hard jokes. Punch. Yeah, yeah. And all you guys had that. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think you're that right. was important to me to to stay. Yeah, Atel th- always would always say like whenever I'd say something to him, he'd always say, "Get funnier." <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, "That's that's the most simple truth." He, there he, is. That's all. The that's all you need to know. It's so. Uh, isn't it great to to sort of when that when that weird kind of one sided relationship with Atel starts to happen, <laughs> where <laughs> where he just like he's comfortable enough just to say shit with you that just cuts right to the bone and then walks away. Why? <laughs> and you're like, I don't know, man. <laughs> Yeah. I need it though, and and he he's it's it always comes from a good place, you know. Oh so. no, yeah, he's a sweetheart. So right, yeah. so uh, so yeah, you, you meet the old funny, man. Staying funny is yeah. is important. So you couldn't really address it on stage. Really. It was hard. I'd yeah, have yeah. like simple jokes on it, like that one I told you. Right, but it would be like pretty basic, and and there's bigger stuff I thought would be at some point interesting to get into. Well, you did, but like what ultimately happened? You didn't, you didn't, you know, you got you you had the meeting with him, you saw the similarities, and but you never felt like investigating anymore like that the one meeting was enough no we i'd stay in touch for a while oh you did it's it stopped recently because it felt to started to feel one-sided 
Oh, on your you, part. No, on his part, I thought. Like he would, every note he would write me just would be like, I, me, and I'd be like, all right, this oh. just feels like your thing now, you know? I remember right. showing it to a therapist I was seeing at the time. Yeah. Uh, Narcissistic guy? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, I'm, uh, sure, I'm sure I got a little of it from him, you know? <laughs> yeah, but like in the, in the I, me part, like in the sense that he was sort of using you, or I like, would say yeah. using me, but I think, uh, I don't know. I yeah. think maybe my expectations started to build once I uh, once right. I built started a relationship. To, right. Once we started to stay yeah. in touch, and his wife, I think, has uh, problems with him. Oh yeah, I think I think it's tough for her. Yeah, she's a she's a good person. You met the wife. Yeah, he's difficult for her. He's not a good husband. <laughs> Or, or, or father. Or father. <laughs> so, so what you learned over time is that, and it kind of confirms it, is that he's kind of shitty. <laughs> yeah. And, and yeah. but you know, you, you do see yourself in him, and uh, hopefully not the shitty parts. I'm working on it. <laughs> you know, it's what can you do but work but, on it. But is that weird though? Isn't that wild? Because you always wonder about that. Like my brother's got kids, and they're all adopted, right? Yeah. So you really wonder, like, the challenge of that. Like, you know, how much of who we are is really just already in there? Yeah. For, and and you, you see a lot. I think you're right. Yeah. You're right. And uh, I, I mean, I, it, it bummed me out that I, I think it, I'm I'm pretty happy. I'm a pretty happy guy as far as it goes. Yeah. You know, we, we've all got our stuff and, and I'm irritable. So, yeah, you know, right. when you're on the road all the time, you sometimes take certain things for granted. Sure. But, uh, there are bits that I always were like bummed didn't work. I think they made the audience too too sad. I, yeah, I got a few. Like, yeah. what, what's one? <laughs> okay, one I always liked, and this never hit once, not once. But I said, so when you're legally adopted, you're, uh, what happens is your dad who wants to adopt you needs to get the biological father's signature. Yeah. So it's like the opposite of a UPS package. You know, right. he's like, here's my signature, and uh, I don't want this. <laughs> right. Never yeah. hit once. I thought it was like a funny line, but it might I be think too, it's too- there's a lot there. There's, there's a, a lot, lot to unpack for the simple package <laughs> joke. <laughs> That's fair. You know what yeah. I mean? I used to do a bit about uh, my mother uh, had, had, was anorexic, and I and I really you know and I really think for the first nine years of my life she just saw me as her fat. Like if she just ate less, maybe the needy kid would disappear. <laughs> like, and it's abstract, but like yeah. it kind of worked. But there's those kind of jokes. People are like, ha. Ah. Like it's not a real laugh. It's just like that's sad, and I'll acknowledge it with a noise. Yeah, something. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes when they groan, though, I think it's because they care about you. I used to get really annoyed. And oh, I was think, that a groaner that you you did? Was the they go? Show? Oh, they go. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think I think sometimes they're assholes, but then sometimes they're just like, oh, we feel bad for no, you. Really, we like you, and we feel bad for you. I know I, that used to happen to me, and and I would go like, don't do that. <laughs> that was the whole that was the whole yeah. title of that album I did in 2009 this has to be funny it was because of that you okay. had the joke you had the joke remember about the guy who lives in your head yeah yeah how'd that go it was about how you saw a guy just sitting in the front row of your show and he didn't smile oh, right once. right and I just right and then and then you went up to him like what's your problem and he said no I, I love the show and, and you and he said that that means that guy lives in my head right 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 that means the guy that was that's sitting there going you suck is in my head all the time I just put him on other people yeah oh yeah yeah true I, re right? I relate to that joke a lot for sure <laughs> I definitely like projecting. I feel that I 
that's an important thing to we- to learn. Like, you know, these are people that come in from their life. You don't yeah. know what the fuck they're thinking about. Exactly. Yeah. And like, I, I got, that guy might have gotten fired earlier in the day and he just needed a break. Right. Like, I, I did a very Atelish kind of thing where I'm like, yeah, I don't, like, I can't project. I don't know what you really think. I'm just making you up. You could be sitting there going, like, where did I bury the body properly? You know, like, yeah. <laughs> that kind of thing. Yeah. But that, but it, it's, it's freeing to, to have that, to, to be comfortable with that. That the idea that, like, They've all got their own shit. I've been to shows. I've been to movies. You know, there's going to be moments where people are just thinking about their own shit. Yeah. And yeah, that happens to me every time you look at somebody. My girlfriend will say it to me all the time. She'll go, she'll just see me stare and she goes, where did you go? <laughs> you know? And I was like, oh shit, that's, people do that at shows sometimes. You of can course. Sit, you can sit two jokes out and I got to just chill. It's, yeah. We all got to learn that. That's right. Like, you know, who was I talking to? Stuart Lee is a British comic and he, yeah. he actually quit. Because he, you know, it became too much for him, the anger of it. Wow. Uh, and then, like, I think, and I, I'm, I'm paraphrasing maybe the entire experience, but what he grew to realize was that, you know, it's not, it, there's just a, a misunderstanding. It's like, I'm not, you made a bad choice for the evening. It's right. not my fault that I'm me. I'm going to be me, but we're not going to meet where we need to meet on this. And, you know, I'm sorry for that. Yeah. Yeah, I've become. I also though, when you're starting out, you're just playing shittier rooms. Oh yeah, and I think it made me a worse comic for a couple of years because you know there's a difference between like club- projecting. You mean onto the audience? Absolutely, but not just that. I think in club crowds, you expect a certain type of reaction as opposed to those kind of alty rooms where if they're just listening, that's almost enough. Yeah, I can't but stand that shit. I hate it. Yeah, I want to be a club guy, but then the but here's the problem with the club stuff. You're going to be punchier, yeah. but you're also going to turn on crowds so much more quickly because oh, the yeah. second a joke doesn't hit, you're like, where the fuck did you guys yeah, yeah. go? What's up? You know, like, yeah. Well, that's a good point, man, because you came up in, in sort of a a different time than me. You, you know, by the time I was doing what they what became alternative comedy, I was just a bitter club guy. You know, I was doing whatever I was doing in New York. And then the this venue opened where we could do we could just improvise and just yeah. fuck off. So I looked at it as sort of a writing stage. Like, you know, all my shit happens on stage. So it was good for me every week to go to Luna or whatever and just spew to see what happened, you know, to get new things, new ideas. But you actually grew up, came up in a time where there were just whole, there's a whole other business. Like there were all these bringer shows. You had Brooklyn, you had all that shit. None of that was there. You know, so weird. It like you, I, there was no Hannibal Burris's room <laughs> in Brooklyn. You know, there was no, you know, Wyatt Cynac Knight or whoever yeah. uh, out there. Or there was none of that. And you know, I wonder how that kind of played out. Because when did you? What year did you start? Did you do uh, comedy at Tulane? I did. I it was. You know, what's crazy is uh, I kind of worked my way in at Tulane, where I was only there for a year and a half, and then so I, uh, when I was there. I asked, like, is there any way I can do comedy here? And Katrina just hit there, like, fuck off, kid. Like, leave us alone, you know? But then they were bringing down this comic, Dat Fan, and I said, can I open for him? Can I just get on the show? And they were like, ah, w- like, let's see. So I had a tape from a bringer show, and they yeah. looked at it, and they were like, oh, you can open for him. And it went super, went so well. I mean, they were horrible jokes, but, you know. Where did you do the bringer show, though? Like, where did you start? In, like, how In New York did... City, yeah. So, so I did, it was, a, it was probably comic strip. Comic strip? I did D.F. Sweedler's class I took. Do you know D.F. Sweetler? Of course. He was great. So that's what happened. So yeah. you graduate high school in New York. Yeah. And that summer you take a class? I did, yeah. 
with D.F. Sweetworth and Joe Mackey, who's still one of my best friends, it was in the class with me. Oh, okay. Just by chance, we it's met. A, we hit, so, you would love Joe's comedy. He's, yeah, I'll he's, check him out. He's like my arch nemesis, but also my best friend. That's like we, nice. We fight like constantly, but he's he's. Oh, that's nice. He is like the best at topical jokes I've ever heard. It's insane. Oh, check him out. Yeah. So D.F. Uh, he taught the class. Yeah. And. Uh, I would come in like just too dirty every week, and he'd be like, "Just clean it up," and because he'd say, "All your favorite comics who you think are dirty can write clean too." Who, who were like, you watching? Who were you guys at that I mean, time? At that time, I mean, I remember Rock's album uh, "Roll with the New" kind of blew me away. Yeah, because it was just so. I remember I was listening to it once as a kid. I probably didn't even get all the jokes, yeah, but, yeah. but my mom saw me laughing. She's like, "What the hell is he listening to?" So right. she grabbed the headphones and put it on, and I just saw her face like she turned white. <laughs> she could not believe, and then. But then 30 seconds later, I watched her laugh, and I was like, yeah. oh, that's fucking powerful. Right. That, that he can say something off-putting and then rope her back in. Right, that she was worried, concerned about you hearing this stuff, but she couldn't hide the laughter that came from the actual joke. And I love that. So, right. you know, I love Dangerfield, because they were just classic jokes. Yeah, I, love, I could see that. I remember Lily Tomlin's special, uh, Search for Signs of Intelligent Life. Yeah. That kind of blew me away. Yeah. It was just so cool and different. Dangerfield doesn't get... He, it's weird about Dangerfield is that in death, he still doesn't get the respect he deserves. <laughs> Crazy. I made Taylor watch Back to School the other night. Oh, really? It's just pure, it's like pure escapist joy. Kennison, the teacher who oh was in Vietnam. God. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah. It's so good. Yeah, there's just how twitchy, like, Dangerfield was the full operation, man. It yeah. was going all the time. Everything about him was funny. I loved him. Yeah. I, and that, so, yeah, I mean. <sighs> so those were you guys. Yeah, and then, I mean, shit. And then, like, then when I got a little older, probably like around 18, I was listening to, like, you and Louie and Attell oh, yeah. and, and Geraldo and oh, stuff. Oh, yeah, and, Geraldo. I miss that guy, man. What a fucking. Yeah. Geraldo and Patrice. Out of all the fucking guys that I, you can't be here. Two guys you want to hear talk about. Yeah, right. About. Everything. I, those are like the only two guys I want to hear about talk about Trump left. Right, you know? right, right. <laughs> That's it. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. Gone. So, so many great comics. And uh, so, yeah. You I took was, the class. I, I took the class. Joe Mackey was, uh, he was great. Yeah. I he, mean, but he was just in the class with you. But he was already funny. And, uh, and then- you know, and then I went back to school and I was barking for a few years and stuff like that. You and, went back to Tulane? Yeah. And I was barking in summers and stuff. And Oh, wait, down at yeah, Boston or whatever? No, Boston wasn't there anymore, I don't think. Oh, like Maybe, Ha? Like, where were you barking? Fuck, thank God I avoided Ha. I remember, <laughs> like, that was... No, I did I did uh, Underground Lounge, Broadway Comedy Clubs uh, a little Al bit. Al Martin's places? Uh, was Broadway Al Martin? No. Yeah, I only yeah. did that one for a summer though. Okay. That was that was that's a rough room. I got spat on once there during a set, and I was like, I should I should like just phone in here a little less, like a little. Uh, yeah. But uh, yeah, handing out flyers was for me the best because like I remember comics would say, why don't you just do more open mics? Yeah. I was like, well, I get real people. You're still waiting to go on for two hours at the mic. And yeah. It's not like you're watching good comedy. Right. I may as well just be miserable here and then actually perform for eight real people. Right. And, right. And hone some jokes. Yeah. So, oh, that's a good call. And then I started doing all right, and I started doing well in festivals and like competitions, and that's what kind of made me a working act. All right, so you, all right, so you, you open for Dat Fan at college. Oh yeah, you so do then well. I opened for Dat Fan. Then they said you can like have a word in who we bring down. So then this is the student activities committee. Yeah, they said right? you can help us and just tell us who to bring uh, down. So I remember Ted Alexandro. I was like, you should book this guy. He's really funny. Yeah. So I opened for Ted. He was awesome. He couldn't have been nicer. And you, did you know him from New York? You never met. him I just before. thought he was a good comic. Oh yeah, and he's then, great. And then yeah, I love his stuff. And then so then 
I, I kind of became friendly with him a little bit yeah. afterward. Not like we talked, but like right. I knew Ted now. Yeah, and then, yeah, yeah. Uh, Bill Burr came down, and Bill was really, really cool too. And uh, before he was huge. Yeah, yeah. And, and then like ten years to the day, I think I was on Conan with him, which is so weird. And wow. he, he said like, "Where do where do I know you from?" And I was like, "You don't remember." <laughs> Did he remember? <laughs> no, no. He thought he just. I think he just saw my face somewhere else or something. But uh, <laughs> but uh. You you were you were part of bringing him to Tulane. Yeah, man, it was hilarious because it was like a twelve hundred seater and like a hundred kids showed up. They didn't they didn't realize how lucky they were to get a comic like Bill down oh, there. Oh, it'd be surprising he didn't remember that. That's a, he it, did once I talked about it, but I don't think he really remembered. I think he was just being nice, you know. But uh, I I I can remember nights where you know you got the twelve hundred seater and hundred show up. I mean, and they were spaced out. It wasn't like a, a right. Firm <laughs> I, I did one of those in Iowa. Terror was I'll never forget it. They're it was rough. A fucking nightmare. And he was so good, man. He was like I remember a lot of the jokes still because yeah. it was such a funny set. All right, so you leave Tulane to transfer yeah. to NYU. Why? Because you just want to be in New York. I want to be in New York. I got a taste of the of the comedy scene and I uh, and, you want to be close to it. I huh? would do I would do one mic a week in um New Orleans because that's all they had. So I yeah. was writing a lot, but I wasn't really getting on stage. Right. So you went to that's why you went back. And you yeah. went to NYU? Yeah. And what was the major? It was like a made-up comedy uh, major. I kind of just was like, let me just focus on comedy any way I can. But you, know? but you were able to graduate and shit? Yeah. Oh, that's good. Yeah, so then there was that. And then I started doing like clubs more and more, but then what really like put it over, and I, it's so lame that this is what put it over, but like they do these competitions called March Madness in the city, like college basketball bracket style. But who so runs 60, it? Caroline's and Comics, which used to be in the city. Comics that that room that overpaid and put you up nice hotels down in the meatpacking district. I wouldn't know about that back then, but that sounds right. Yeah. But man, when they opened that place, I just right away. Like I can't remember what year that was, but I remember I was flying in, so I must not have been living there. Uh, but they were like, you know, they were paying good, and they would put you up right there at that yes. Gansford Hotel. And I'm like, there's no way this is gonna. Stay isn't that open. sad though? That how ev- the fuck is this gonna stay open? And the room was perfect. It was beautiful. But isn't that sad that every time, I, I, same thing has happened with me. Where I'm like, anytime a gig treats me really well, I'm like, I give it three months. Right. It's no way. Brutal. Well, it's just like I don't even know why they were doing it though. Yeah. I mean, I know the rent must have been expensive, but you know, so why were they? overdoing because they were trying to you know compete with carolines and whoever to do that kind of room and their way of doing it was just throw money at it which wasn't the right way no but but the food was pretty good i remember that tortellini right but uh good food nice room (laughs) i I miss it but they did so they did march madness and i did pretty well in those things because it was like so you do one minute versus one minute in round one so one comedian has to sit on the stage while the other one goes and then back and forth that's crazy awful it was I hated it, but it was like, how else am I going to get booked? I needed to get- Do you remember who you were up against? Yeah, of course. Uh, <laughs> of course. I remember like the first year I did it, Joe List beat me, and Joe is like a freaking killer act. Yeah, so yeah. like he was already, he's like already a pro in it. Yeah, I was like, yeah. God damn it, this guy's so good. Then the next year I went, I I lost, no, I won at comics. I won the whole thing. Uh, it was me and Mike Lawrence in the finals. Every comic in it was killer. It was like Sheng Wang was in it. All these like killer acts. Mikey's dope for me. He's funny. Mike's a yeah. great writer. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then Dan Soder beat me at Caroline's in the finals. Oh yeah. So it was crazy. You're just watching. So you have to sit there in the finals. And it's all about a minute. No, the first round's a minute. The okay. second round's two minutes. The oh. third round's four. And then it was like eight. And then it was like fifteen. Really? So, so then in the last round, I remember it was me versus Dan Soder, and you're just sitting behind <laughs> him, watching him work a room, and like, holy shit, I have like a whole new respect for all these guys because you like physically, it's you're almost in their body, right? So, right. 
Yeah, it was cool. And so even though I didn't win that one, Caroline started working me and comics started working me. And uh, as a feature or opener, yeah, opener. yeah, yeah. But yeah. then they, you know, they'd book you a lot, so yeah. it was pretty cool. And then, then the other clubs started booking me, and I won this festival called Laughing Skull in Atlanta. I know that place. Yeah, it's a cool Marshall's. Club. He runs a festival. I go down. I used to go down there to work shit out, like a little eighty seater. It's great. Good hamburgers at that place. I mean, yeah. it's like the you feel ill after they're amazing but yeah, you're like right? this is crazy it's, i can't be eating this before i perform not every night and, no. we're, and we're like low energy guys <laughs> that's like think about being like a like a I dane cook or something pull you right down <laughs> and they have tater tots there i was so just good. down there shooting a movie i did i think i did one set there but i did have the hamburger that's so, so good. good yeah so you you won that one i won that and that was like the prize was like better than any other prize because it was like i think it was like six to 12 months of road work so that's how i ended up working with you i think and a lot of the clubs headline me lower rate headliners and if they like me they'd have me back and pay me you know a regular, a regular pay so yeah so it was pretty cool they just got me working and then i remember i worked this club called magoobies with gary goldman yeah and where the it, hell's magoobies it's <laughs> <laughs> it's just a funny sentence. <laughs> Where the hell's McGoobies? Uh Timonium, Maryland. So mm. I still play that club. It's a good club. But uh Gary, so this is a crazy weekend. I'm working with Gary, who I knew of Gary. I respected his comedy a lot. And uh I'm working with him. I'm featuring and it just felt weird because the owner's uh dad had died. So it, it was a weird vibe in the club yeah. where he's a really nice guy, but yeah. there was a weird vibe. So I remember right. the late show one night he gets on the mic and he just said, All right guys, quiet down. He's on the God mic in the back. Guys, the owner. Yeah, the crowd's loud and drunk. He's like, guys, you gotta quiet down. Then he goes, guys, shut the fuck up. Shut your fucking mouth. I <laughs> go, I'm sorry, my dad died. Coming to the stage, just starts the show in one motion. <laughs> And uh, it's one of those weird weekends, but then like, and I think it was like the first night Gary even said, like at the end of the night, he was like, I really like your stuff and you're going to be the first comic I wreck at the Comedy Cellar. And I didn't think anything of it. I just kind of was like, well, that's nice. That he, I don't, I don't b believe any of that. If he, if he, if he wants to, that's Had great. Have you been there? No. To I, the cellar? I, no. So you were just starting out really? No, I had been doing it for a while, but I just kind of had a reverence for the cellar and I just didn't want to go there. Really? Yeah, I thought it was like kind of like a special place. Like it was I, Mount Olympus or something? I'd you, see, I, yeah, a little bit. I just kind of thought it was like- But you didn't want to do the, like, did you have too much pride to do the hangout thing? Yeah. Right. It made me uncomfortable. I did too. I don't even, it was like pride. I think it was just like, I just thought I'd get uncomfortable. I just fucking, I hate, like- I don't want to be known, I want to be known as a dude like, oh, this guy's working here. I don't want to be known as, oh, it's that dude again. Well, that's exactly it. Like, I I remember back when I started, you, you know, Lewis from Caroline's, was the booker? <laughs> I know Lewis. I know. Yeah, he was the guy that booked Catch a Rising Star. Sure, the original one. And you know, the deal was like when I started, like um, I guess it was probably in the late eighties, or you'd go up there and you just hang around. Yeah. And I knew guys that would go up there and just sit there all fucking night waiting for that guy to go. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. I'll get you on later. You know, like and it was like <laughs> that was a good impression. <laughs> <laughs> like you know, yeah. and I was like. What the fuck? How is that guy's gonna have power over my life? I just couldn't. Fucking it hurts. Do, couldn't but that's why I got to spread it out. Like uh, some I of the just, best. I didn't go. I wouldn't do it. But some of the best advice I got was from comics who were like hanging on by a thread because they were the ones who just were. You know, they maybe they weren't the best comics, but they were like never get comfortable at one club because they stop working you. You know, you're fucked. So I just couldn't. Like I couldn't do any of it. And SD did not book me until I had an HBO half hour. Like until I had an HBO half hour, then she decided. 
And I had like, and I still have a weird fucking resentment towards the whole goddamn operation. I get it, man. <laughs> I get it. I mean, like they've been so good to me. I've been I've been fortunate there, but uh, you know, uh, I yeah, I felt weird hanging out there. I, I hung at the strip also, so I don't want to be known as like a guy who hangs everywhere. Yeah, I didn't do the strip. I hardly ever did. I was. The thing was, is when I started, the original improv was barely hanging on, and Silver Friedman ran the place. And it was just beat up. No one went there anymore. And it's like, I could work there. Yeah. And I was like, this is history. I'm going to work here. And Boston. And that was that. I missed that. Because I, I knew Barry. And then, you know, the strip I could work at in stand-up New York, like Kerry Hoffman once said to me, you know, uh, you know, comedy's not about what you do anymore. What the fuck does that? You know, whatever. <laughs> I don't even know He's what like, that means. Yeah, who does? But uh, but yeah, but like I shouldn't. I should yeah. be more diplomatic. Noam and Esty have been very nice to me. I over love the them. Years. I love them so course, much. I knew the old man. You probably yeah. did. You knew the old. I man. I didn't know Manny. No, you didn't. Oh, really? So he, you really he passed before my time. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Well, there was a lot of uh, yelling. You know, and <laughs> sure. Like like I was. Yeah, you know, I got into a fight with Manny, and you know I couldn't, and he kicked me out. And I had to go, you know, it was one of those things where there had to be a brokered kind of like, I'm sorry, and whatever. So it's, it's like the mob. You have like a sit down. You had a sit down. Yeah. Yeah. So I could do my two spots a week. <laughs> um, but anyway, so so Gary says he's going to wreck you. And he did. And it was it was it went well. And uh, yeah, so I, that was pretty big. Uh, you know, I, I, I didn't, I couldn't ever ask someone to do that for me. So, right. So, so the fact that he did that for me was pretty big. Oh, that's nice. So yeah. forever. He's going to be the guy that did that. I love Gary. He's, yeah, he's still cool. a close Great friend, guy. and uh, Great guy. and he's I I love his comedy. He's doing too. all right. Yeah, I think oh, so. Good. We talked. He texted me the other day. I'm going to call him this week. All right. And so you work at the cellar, and then like you're just out on the road headlining, huh? Yeah, it kind of slowly happened a little more and more, you know. And then uh, it just like feels like it takes forever to get that first thing, but then once you get that first thing, it what becomes was the first thing? Conan probably. But then once I got it, it was like there was. It's almost like fuck. All right, I got to keep writing to keep up. Do the those spots. five minute sets. Figure yeah. out those four and a half minute sets. Stressful. It's the worst. And the first one, I didn't, I didn't get the response I wanted, so that was really uh, upsetting. You yeah, know? I did well, but I, I thought like, I was like, fuck, the first one didn't get what I wanted it to, and that really hurt. Like I was like, I know this, I know I'm not gonna like this crowd. Who that was much. your producer? Was it Frank or was it JP? JP. Hmm. But uh, they, I mean, I, I like the joke still for as much as you can like. What an do older you think set. happened though when you like look at it? I just think sometimes. It's a fucking five PM Burbank crowd. Like, I guess can, that's what true. What can you do? Like, it's not a it's not a crowd we're accustomed to, and I think the jokes were darkish. So I think it's weird like that. You know, that's an LA thing. Like, because like out here, you know, it's not a big deal to go to these fucking things. Yeah. You know, there's just, and if they if they have a problem getting people in the seats, they just pay. The audiences here is no good. You know, because yeah. like they, some of them do just do it. That's what their life is. They go sit in the audiences <laughs> like. Yeah. When he used to do it, like in New York, it was a big deal. Like yeah. they do Letterman in New York's a big deal. That yeah. audience is lit. Yeah, you know they're like, let's go. Yeah. Now I'm, there's so many late night shows, and there's so many ways people consume stuff that it's 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 harder. I think back when you're talking about like Letterman back in the day, like yeah, you're right, that was a hot ticket. Well, yeah, and and it was like that was what you were working towards. It took me forever to get on there. I didn't get on to Letterman, fuck, until I was you know. Ooh. Well into it. Wow. But I ended up doing a few. But like there is a, there is a way of doing those four and a half minute sets. And a lot of times it, it depends on who's producing for you. Like when I used to do Conan all the time, it was Frank Smiley. But I was a sit down guy. Yeah. But we, we, he would spend a fucking hour on the phone with me. Wow. Like going over shit. 
Like, and I tell them everything I got. It was good for me to do panel because I could go up with half-baked shit. Didn't need to be finished. Yeah. It could be funny enough and it was going to be in conversation. And you can riff if it doesn't hit. You right. can kind of riff on it. Right. Where it's like stick a, around. Yeah. yeah. You can't really be like, you can't say something after a joke doesn't get what you want. No, not when it's set. a tight four and a half. It's tough. It's the fucking worst. But I hated, I did, I did Conan like a month ago and I hated the crowd. Yeah. I hated them. They just weren't my crowd. It's, 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 it's a terrible feeling. And yeah. I've, I won't. Like I did Corden recently, and yeah. I don't even—I'm not even doing stand-up. I'm just sitting there, and I'm like, "Why am I doing this? Like, <laughs> I don't even know what they're doing over here. There's—they're doing tricks and <laughs> dancing. Like, what am I sitting here for? Like, it was one of those moments where I'm like, I don't have to do this shit anymore. Yeah, it's kind of freeing when you realize that. When it like when it, it's sad because it doesn't like pop your career like it did back in the day. I Nothing guess. does. Yes, but then it's like it's fun to do still. It's still but, fun to do it. But you know, it's great. Oddly, you know, the guys who are good at it, if we ever get back to normal, you know, you feel like you're in good hands. I got buried by Cory Booker on Fallon. He fucking buried me. I can't follow Hope. It was like too upbeat. It was like... What are you talking about? He was like really... Uh, oh, and then they're like, all right, we're going to come back with uh, Sam Morell. Yeah, and, and everyone's like, what the fuck is this guy? He's talking about getting uh, arrested, uh, you know? But it didn't land? It did all right. My yeah. family was there. I'm always in my head when my family comes. And oh. then, of course, Cory Booker is just schmoozing. He was in the green room for like 30 minutes. I couldn't believe it. Campaigning. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And my mom like loves him. So it was like, you know. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. But wait, but yeah, you can't have your family go those until you're real solid, dude. I know. Like I, like, I can't, like for years, it was just like, what are you trying to do? You're just going to, uh, you're just, you're, you're, the, the, whatever you have in your head that's, you're just going to disappoint yourself. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and I'm also not fun to be with after those if they don't go how I want them to Dude, go. Dude, the worst. Yeah. The fuck. I, after the Chevy Chase roast, I almost, I swear to God, I, I was in my hotel room with my friend Sam, like on the verge of tears. But the way they cut it made you look really good. Made you look great. I'm, yeah. I remember one of your jokes, the one about how, how we're all nobodies. He's like, and you said, yeah, we're nobodies at the beginning, beginning of our of, career. Right. Like, they cut great. it great. They sweetened yeah. it. I should have learned. But, like, in the room, it was yeah. a fucking nightmare. That's what I heard. A nightmare. Yeah. And just the feeling of after doing that, you know, and then having fucking Freddie Roman say, like, I don't know what these comics did acknowledge their failure while they're doing it. Just do the job, and if it doesn't go well, that's just a bad night. Wow. Don't Don't say you're bombing. He said that in The Observer, and I was like, fuck it. It just never stopped, you know, being terrible. <laughs> that is so funny, because it's just, it's like, yeah, Freddie, you're like a legend, but you're it's a different type of comedy, yeah, man. Yeah, man, no one fucking knows you. I know. Do you know, like, Freddie's a legend for being the guy who never got as big as his friends. Right. Listen to me, shitting on an old man. Like, yeah, I got to put my anger in the right place. <laughs> I, well, I, I bombed in front of him. I did a Friars Club roast when I was 21 uh, of Omarosa. I, dude, I couldn't have bombed harder. It was the worst. That, that, that was, like, the night I was like, maybe I can't do this. That's the same with me. It was Paul Mooney was Roastmaster, and his the way he introed me, I still remember. I had nothing. Oh, so I, he just was, he didn't he set you up horribly, horribly. You no, know, he's but a, he set up everyone horribly. Yeah, he's a monster. And and he, it, I look back, and so the Friars Club. So he intros me. This next comic is a fan of uh, Bill Hicks, Rodney Dangerfield, George Carlin, Richard Pryor. I uh, I knew all of them, all dead. Samurai, everybody. That's how he intro me, and and you it cuts to my face looking like what the fuck, dude. Uh, and I bombed so hard. Maybe Carlin wasn't dead. Maybe it was someone else. It was televised. 
No, it was just for the internet, yeah. but oh. but it was the first thing that came up for me on every YouTube search. Because oh, so, it was your first like gig that yeah. was available. So right. clubs would be be like Sam Morel uh, tonight, and they'd post it, and it had more hits than anything I'd done. So I, I remember I went to them one day. I had a manager at the time who was like, "Bring them a bottle of wine," and I was yeah. like, "To to pull it down." She's like, "Yeah, bribe them with some wine." And I was like, "It's like a rich organization." I found out later they weren't that they were you know no, going under, but yeah, it was like a. Did they pull it down? It took forever. I was begging them for like months. They finally pulled it down. Ugh. I remember kids I went to high school with were like posting it on Facebook, like, look at this guy bombing. I'm like, come on, oh man. Oh my God. <laughs> it hurt. That's so weird that it happened. Like, cause I, what I realized about me, though, just in general, is I'm not a roast guy. Yeah. Like, I, like, there is something. I think you could be, though. I think you kind of, I mean, you're. I'm a little better, but like, I have to know the person. I have to, you know what I mean? Feel comfortable because I can. That's how it should be. Right. But I can, I always tend to go a little too, like, I'm, I'm defensive. Like, it's not my nature. Like, I guess I bust balls a little bit, but only if I'm, you know, if it's okay. You know, but like, with like the Chevy thing, it was not okay. It was not, he wasn't having fun. He didn't give a fuck. He was mad. And it was like, and I liked him when I was a kid. Yeah. And, you know, and I, I, you know, I remember I wrote some of those jokes with my ex-wife and she never forgave me for not giving her a job as a writer when I could have. And, you know. Damn. Yeah, yeah. That's tough. Well, it's tough going out with a comic, dude. (laughs) Good luck. (laughs) You know. um, Yeah. But nonetheless, I just, I'm not cut out. Like, I always felt like it. I I could probably do it now. You're right. Yeah, but like it, it's it's it's. I just remember that night, just seeing everyone on that dais, and just thinking I failed, and that they were all looking at me like I failed. But no one gives a fuck. There's a type of comic though who is like just made for that, and I know what you mean like it's not oh, our yeah. specialty. I don't think, but I I I think I could do it pretty well now too. I, I think I was too young and I didn't have any confidence behind the jokes. Like right. I remember when I I auditioned to get it. And I killed in the audition room, so I was like, I could, I sh- It's it was bad for me to kill that hard. Well, it's just weird when you're standing there and they're right there. Like there's a, like you know, yeah. Ross is great, Geraldo was great. Oh man, there's a lot of Geraldo people. Geraldo was great. like perfect. And yeah, and now that and he could go real dark and real deep and really get away with it. And now there's really who anyone does them, and yeah. they just have a group of guys writing for it. It's almost like you're casted more now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you back know. then, but Geraldo felt like so real with it. And yeah, Jeff is like that's what he does. Yeah, he's but, like yeah, it's but, a style, you know, but. I was, I don't know, man. Voss, just, Rich Voss had such a fucking funny burn on me after I bombed because yeah. he went on and he started bombing and then he goes, you guys better laugh or I'm bringing Sam back up and it killed. All right. And I fucking- Is it, it the only thing that killed though? <laughs> it, it wasn't a good crowd. He had a few. He's so good, a good at, He's so good at that type of stuff too though that like he kind of adapted but like- Yeah, it, yeah, yeah. It was. It wasn't a a good show. It's it's so funny that we both had those existential crises. But I was like older. I was already <laughs> in it. I just wanted it to go well. I thought it like you assume this confidence when you do it. That's where you have to assume it. But yeah. if you don't really have it, that's where it's gonna fuck you. Yeah. Especially in that situation, because there's no recourse for it. You're just sort of like I'm selling these shitty things about this person, and they're not working. And now I'm just a fucking you know guy saying shitty things that you know people are like not funny. Yeah, it's, it's the word. Like when you're just you doing your stand-up, at least you can figure out a way out of it. Yeah. Also, you usually shitting on yourself in your stand-up, right. so it's like when you shit on someone else and it's failing, you're just a dick. Yeah. There's no. Ugh. Yeah. There's no cushion there. So, but ultimately, you ended up uh, oh the Tonight Show and all that stuff. But the specials, you got two of them now. I done. I did a half hour for Comedy Central, yeah. and I did an hour that that Amy Schumer produced, and uh, I wouldn't have gotten it without her. So I'm grateful to her for sure. And then. Uh, 
So I was opening for her uh, a bit on the road, and yeah. then uh, and then was that a good crowd? That must have been good for unbelievable you. arenas. Yeah. It was yeah. insane. It was. I mean, I. <laughs> it's like it was so cool to get an experience like that. Yeah, yeah. And how's uh, she doing? You talk to her? Yeah, I, right? I play basketball with her husband a lot, oh, okay. and then um, she's she's awesome. Yeah, I, I love her. Uh, and then uh, yeah, I I, only did, I did a new one. That I I self produced this one, and then I ended up. You know, the last one kind of hurt because it didn't make a big dent on the road. It. Uh, because it's hard, dude. because you know I I really fought. What's to that one out. called? It's called Positive Influence. That was the first one. Was it an hour? Yeah, it was the first hour one. Yeah. and then and then it's called Positive Influence, and uh, it looks great. The, I mean, it's really well produced and uh-huh. stuff. But you know the way they put it on, they said it would be on Amazon and streaming, and it, and it just kind of wasn't. It yeah. was, but it was you. There's an ad every three minutes, so no one's gonna actually sit through so it. So this was the second one. Yeah. Oh, the twenty. This is the one you just did. No, the third one is the one I just did. That, oh. the, I, I guess I count the half hour, but it's not really a special, I guess. What's but that one called? That was just a half hour special. But oh, yeah, those are usually good. Yeah, yeah Comedy was, Central half hour? Yeah, it was fun. Yeah, and then uh, you did, okay, then you did the- th- Positive Influence with Amy, and then yeah. I, the new one I did is called I Got This. And that and, was the one he self-produced. Yeah. Yeah. Because I just, I'm so glad I put it out now with all this shit happening, because I just needed it at, I needed it done, and I, I well, was, now people will fucking watch it. I hope. <laughs> no, we'll get this up. Give it a good push. I think, you know, I'm, I'm pr- that's my best special. I'm proud of that What's one. What's it called? It's called I Got This. Okay. And it's just on YouTube, no ads. That was like really the only- How do you make money with it? <laughs> You tell me, touring, <laughs> which I won't be doing now. But uh, no, I the Comedy Central paid me for it for the ownership. It wasn't. A big, oh, so it's on Comedy Central's YouTube channel. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that was the plan, and they you uh, break even. Oh yeah, okay. absolutely. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I broke even before I even made the deal with them because okay. I, I charged the door and I made an audio deal. So I did. I already broke even there. So, uh, yeah, they were they were great because. You know, no one even gave me the time of day. I I got a kind of a bite from HBO, and then they kind of pulled back. Yeah, and then you know, a lot of people won't even watch it. So, uh, mm-hmm. I'm proud of it. It's almost two million hits already. You know, it's only been up a little over a month. So that's great. Uh, I'm I'm proud of it. I, comics shared the shit out of it, which is like all you can hope for. And it was like it's it's. It's a scary business sometimes, man. <laughs> you know, like oh, yeah. you never think you're like, fuck, I'm gonna have to do this myself. I'm the least organized human being on the planet. Right. And I really just asked someone, hey, would you ever shoot a special of mine? And of course Liz at the Comedy Cellar, who's the best person yeah. ever, was like, yeah, well, let's let's do this at the cellar. Let's, and you know. That's great. In the Village Underground. Oh, you did it at the Underground? Oh, so it's yeah. a nice club set. Yeah, it looks cool. I gotta watch it. Sorry I didn't watch yeah, it. It's all I feel right. bad. I should have done my homework. I should have watched yours already. I haven't yeah. watched your new one yet. I, yeah. I, I've been depressed to watch stand-up, to be honest, because I miss it so much. Yeah, I don't, like, I, I'm pretty selective. But I try to watch everybody. I watched Taylor's before yeah. she came She's, over. Yeah, is great. Yeah, did you know her when she was putting that together? Were you guys together I yet? met her, uh, I met her like September-ish. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I I mean, I knew she was. I, we'd messaged a couple times just like, you know, I liked her comedy, so yeah. I, I was just encouraging. If I saw her do like a Fallon set, I'd be like, oh, this was really good. Oh, yeah, wow. You know? So, and how are you guys holding up? Are you all right? I think we're good. I yeah. think it's going well. I really this like will be a de- de- This is a decider, dude. I know. And you can't go home because it's crazy there. She, it might have saved your fucking life coming out here. It might. It definitely saved my relationship because I was thinking about going back to New York. and That's and, what she said. And I was... <laughs> I, was, I live in a studio. It's like that. How depressing would that have been? Just you could have gotten sick easier. Yeah, it seems it's all over the place. I think there. she's she's happy. I'm staying. I'm happy. I'm staying. We're do, we're watching. We're in that new couple phase now, yeah. where we're watching so many movies. Like ones that we, we're doing a movie podcast now. Yeah, where like movies that are important to me versus that are important to her. So we're going back and forth. It's oh. pretty fun. So this whole theme of the beginning relationship thing, you can do. 
It's got all these different subcategories. Kind of, yeah. The movie one. I think we're just trying to food one. I think we're just trying to make shit. I think we're just like let's not let's if every time we don't do stuff we get more depressed. So yeah. let's just try to. You know, I got like I'm doing everything I can do to not. I bought kettlebells. I bought a mat. I'm like, where'd I, you get those? I just Online? ordered them on Amazon before they got stockpiled. I guess, yeah. I did. I I was pretty good at the beginning. I'm like, I need everything here if yeah. I'm gonna if I'm gonna do stuff. So I'm like, I'll exercise. I'll I got an Xbox. I got this. I'm like, let's just. I've been running. You've been running. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, I usually hike, but they close the trails. I can't. I I get I don't too like bored. To run. I, I do, get. I hate it, but I need. Do to you do listen the to cardio. music? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like like pump up stuff. Well, I, I'm like yeah, yesterday. I listened to Nine Inch Nails. So that's, that's pretty. Good. That's pretty pump up. Yeah. But like I've got the TXC thing. The like one of those things on the door that you can you know do that business. Yeah. I haven't really locked into it yet. Yeah. Yeah. I just uh, I don't know, man. I miss basketball so much. Yeah, Not just playing, but why, I just like I like playing it. So it's like, it's exercise that's fun. I just miss it. I'm starting to feel that. Like there's a part of this thing that that I'm familiar with. Like starting out as a comic, I did a lot of nothing. Yeah. So like I'm not that freaked out about just hanging out and thinking. But now it's like it's starting to kind of, you know, fuck with my head. I yeah. don't watch sports, but I imagine people who do sort of count on sports as part of their life. This has got to be a fucking nightmare on some level. I just miss basketball. That's the one I'm pretty obsessed with. Yeah, yeah. I just love the game so much. And, and now uh, you can't play it and you can't. can't do anything. But, yeah, I think, you know, it really, it's an important time to, like, I'll go to a negative place so easily, so I have to fight it every all think, day. Yeah, I think there's. I think we're all learning a lot about ourselves during yeah. this time. Well, yeah. it's good talking to you, Sam. This is great, man. Thanks for having me. It was me. great, and I think we're going to put you and Taylor up on the same week. Wow. So wait, before right. you go though, like uh, your folks are both still around? They're both uh, in New York City. And yeah. they are they? They're okay. They're doing. I think they're doing pretty well. They're really. I mean, they're cautious New York Jews. They're staying yeah. indoors. They're, are they happy with your career choice? I think it took a minute. I think they were scared that I just was doing this so I could get drunk for free a lot. And then, <laughs> and then, you know, you know, they saw me open for Jim Jeffries in in Times Square uh-huh. uh, at this massive pl- venue once. And yeah. I think that was like the first night they were like, "Oh my God, he's he's opening for this big comic." And right. You know what? Also, they get really happy whenever I get a New York Times mention, even if it's not positive. It's big to them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even if it's like Sam Morell was like off his game tonight, they're like the Times. I'm like, yeah, that was that was bad. You know, but they anytime it's uh, yeah, yeah. They're, I think now they're happy. I think good. All right, buddy. Well. Stay safe. It's good talking to you. I'll, I'll get out of your way as you move out of my garage. <laughs> I think, and then I'll spray everything. Cool, man. That was Sam Morell, six feet apart. His Comedy Central stand-up special, I Got This, is available for free on standup.com slash Sam Morell, or you can get it as an album wherever you get your albums. Here, I'll play some uh, clean, wobbly, echoey, Stratocaster for you. Thank you.
Boomer lives.